Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kei te whakaronga mai koe ki tō tātou au horihori ki te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. I'm Alison Balance and you're with Our Changing World on RNZ. Now, one of New Zealand's most important fossil sites is at risk of being mined for animal feed. Folden Ma is a 23-million-year-old volcanic crater near Middlemarch in inland Otago that was once a lake. Daphne Lee is a paleontologist at the University of Otago and she has been working at Folden Ma for many years. Back in 2009, Veronica Maduna joined Daphne and geologist John Linkfist at the site. Well, we're standing here in the middle of what was once a Ma crater, um, we're um, in the general region of Middlemarch and we're surrounded by schist. So if we look at the horizon in all directions, there's schist and there's tors and tors sticking up out of the present day hills. And then in the distance, though, you can see the flat topped hills. Those are actually covered by um, a lava flow, a basalt lava flow. So there's a lot of evidence for volcanic activity around here. And if we stood up a little bit higher, we could look over there and we could see the volcanic rocks just on the edge of the crater that we dated, which gave us the 23.2 million year age. We've probably had quite a lot of erosion here. We've maybe lost the top 50 or even 100 metres. So there may have been a much, well there probably initially was a much thicker deposit. And so you can see that we're we're now in a depression, which is where the upper layers of the diatom might have been eroded away. So we're effectively standing on the bottom of the lake about halfway through its life history, if that makes sense. As soon as you get an eruption that forms a very deep hole in the ground like this one, it would have started filling up with water immediately. So the um, laminated sediments we expect to find right at the bottom will be the first formed ones. And it probably took somewhere between 100,000 and 200,000 years for the lake to completely fill up, given that it's just entirely organic sediment rather than you know silt or sand or something being washed in. There were no rivers um, draining into this lake. It was a closed system completely. I imagine it is a quite a calm system. Very quiet, I should think. Not yes. too much disturbance. In no, perhaps a bit of wind on the surface, but otherwise very quiet and anoxic at the bottom and so on. And uh, we can see where John has been chainsawing and you get this wonderful um, black and white or dark and light bar coating. And you can see that the layers are tilted too. They would have originally been absolutely horizontal, you know, right from one side of the lake to the other. And uh, there's been a bit of subsidence that's kind of tilted them down and maybe a little bit of faulting as well. So I'm just digging away at this uh, unit. It's quite soft, easily to uh, dig. Quite, quite a pleasure in itself. What we're looking at there is the um, diatomite deposit that filled the Ma Lake. It looks very finely laminated. In fact, you know, each of the layers looks almost like paper thin. Is that what you'd expect to find? Oh, yes. It was a very quiet environment and quite deep. So uh, what we're looking at there are the thin laminae, probably seasonal, formed one about uh, half a millimetre thick per year, 
or thinner. And each of those, we think, was laid down during one um, winter and summer uh, annual event. And mostly organic material falling from the surface of the lake? Oh, yeah. Was there anything um, else in it? The thicker units, you see them here, that's one about uh, 8 millimetres thick. And here, further down, they get up to around 15 centimetres. They are actually formed from um, mass, what we call mass flow deposits, when the material that was accumulating towards the margins of the lake, now and again there would have been a failure of the sediment, and it basically uh, took off as a slurry, formed a slurry, and spread out right across the um, floor of the lake, and settled out quite quickly. And you see in the top of each of these units is a white layer, mm-hmm. very white layer, about um, 4 or 5 millimetres in thickness, and here's another one down here, above a um, two centimetre thick black layer. Well, there, that's probably the um, remains of the very late stage flow, the material that was um, suspended right through the water column of the lake and then dropped out after each of those um, mass flow events. If I imagine you're obviously looking for fossils of plants and insects, so a leaf at the time would have fallen on the surface of the lake and then just settled on one of those layers, would it have to have been covered pretty quickly for it to be preserved? Well, we see two types. We see the leaf material in these um, mass flow units. They contain a lot of organic material. And also just the odd leaf in the laminated beds. It probably just very slowly sank to the lake floor. And um, by that stage, when it got down there, there was very little oxygen. So it just sat there until it was covered by um, succeeding layers of um, diatomaceous mud. It's been a bit of rain lately and it all seems a bit softer than perhaps usual, but even on a normal day, to me, it feels like cardboard. It's not really rock or anything that that you've got here. It's pretty soft material. They use the term uh, for this material, diatomaceous earth. It's a very finely porous structure. It's quite moist here at the moment. If you dried it out, it would have a density of about um, 0.35. It actually floats when it's dried out. It's the least dense rock on a par with coal. So you describe it as rock, though? In a broad sense, uh, (laughs) yeah. It's more rock than earth, uh, just because it's old, it's ancient, really. Without John's chainsaw, we wouldn't have found the really nice fossils that we've found in the last um, few years, so... It's almost like having the sediment bar-coded, so you can, you know, like... It literally know, looks a bit like a barcode. <laughs> it does yeah. look like a barcode, yes. And I guess from a fossil hunter's perspective, those blocks are quite handy too. Yes, they're brilliant, it. because um, John cuts out columns that are about a metre high, and, and then those of us with our um, knives and things um, start uh, splitting the layers. In particular, we're interested in what's on the white layers, which are the summer layers, and on some of those we've found entire fish, Um, beautifully preserved because, as John said before, the the bottom of the lake was anoxic and so there was no decay um, and nothing came and ate the the fish, you know, bodies and so on. And so there they are, fins and everything, um, still as they were um, in life. Falden Ma has also produced about 250 remarkable insect fossils, as well as plenty of plants that botanist Jennifer Bannister has been working to identify. I visited Daphne and Jennifer back in 2012 to find out more about the plant fossils.
we actually have a, an annual record of about 120, maybe 130,000 years. This is a very, very unusual um, lac deposit. An annual record is extraordinary. Absolutely. And so what we have is 23 million years ago an extraordinarily diverse flora. So what does that tell us? I don't think at 23 million years we were drowned. <laughs> No, I would agree with that. And all our colleagues who've looked at, the, looked at this um, would agree. This is an amazingly rich flora. Many of the plants are insect pollinated, the fruits are bird dispersed and so on. It looks as if it's had a long history in New Zealand. Yes, this is one of the monocot leaves that we have. It's a cordyline, and they often come in sort of bits. We've got the base there, and we've got a middle piece here. And one of the first ones we found was just actually a sheet of cuticle that was blowing away, so I had to save bits. Cordelina is something like a cabbage Ca- tree? Is, yes, a cabbage tree. All the leaves, of course, were dropped in from the forest that surrounded the lake, so we know that these were growing in the forest. We've also found that it's a Loraceae forest. The most numerous leaves are from the Loraceae, and the most numerous leaf is one of the Loraceae, and we have ten species and some flowers as well. So in a lot of cases, we are linking the flowers with the leaves. And the really interesting thing about that is Loraceae pollen does not preserve. And so if we were using the pollen record alone, we wouldn't have had any idea what it was really like. So the combination of the leaves and the fruit and flowers and so on and the pollen gives us a really amazing picture of what the vegetation was like. Yes. The vegetation is very rich in, indeed. If I start from the bottom, we've got three ferns, three conifers, uh, about eight monocots, and then I've got about 60 taxa of dicots, the angiosperms, and they range from canopy to understory to uh, um, ground flora. So uh, also climbers, we've got lianes there, and ripogonum, which is known in New Zealand at the moment. Supplejack, mm-hmm. yes. And a lot of them, we're either finding a flower and a leaf or fruits and leaves because we've got Lorelia-type leaves with beautiful Lorelia-type fruits as well. If we were back there, what kind of forest would we be walking through? You'd have to go now to southern Queensland to find something that was similar. Half of the plants would be somewhat similar to things that we have living in New Zealand today and the other half would be things which are no longer living here, things which require much warmer climate. So we think this was a subtropical environment. It is described as a rainforest, as a simple notophyll vine forest, which is one of the classifications that Webb used for the Australian rainforests. So the trees would have been dripping with epiphytes, there would have been orchids and so on, probably would have been quite difficult to walk through. None of the species are identical to species that live today. I mean, we're talking about 23 million years ago. We think that a lot of these are ancestors to what we have in New Zealand today. Thanks, Daphne. That was paleontologist Daphne Lee, and we also heard from botanist Jennifer Bannister and geologist John Lingfist, and they are all at the University of Otago. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ first aired on the 16th of May 2019. To listen again or check out photos, just head to the webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. You can sign up for our free weekly email newsletter while you're there. We are a free podcast in all the usual places. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You'll also find my other podcasts there too. There's a new episode of The Kākāpō Files, 
Following the record-breaking kākāpō breeding season, it's been a tough week for the kākāpō team. Following on from the death last week of two adult males, four chicks have also died. A number of birds are currently being treated for the fungal disease aspergillosis. There are now 73 living chicks. The Chemistry Podcast Elemental, celebrating 150 years of the periodic table of elements, is up to dysprosium and erbium. I know, who even knew these are chemical elements? Not me. Anyway, you can find both these series on the podcast's page at rnz.co.nz and I'm posting all of them on the Our Changing World webpage as well. If you haven't already, check out RNZ's science podcast for kids, Nano Girls Great Science Adventures. Stay in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter, where we are RNZ Science. Many thanks for your company. Bye for now. Kia pai tora. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.